With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, okay. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. We are broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. <laughs> well, the George Wilder Jr. Show, sorry about that, folks. Something uh, caught me off guard here. Uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. I'm still dizzy a little bit. Anyway, uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. Somebody's walking through the door. Anyway, um, glad to be here, folks. Glad you're listening. Glad to be a part of it. My guest today is the renowned children's author, Sherry Pate. Um, she's a Facebook friend and a very good, good friend and um, um, a wonderful lady. Just, just a wonderful, beautiful, uh, kind uh, lady. And um, uh, we'll see where that goes and uh, should be interesting. All right, you've been listening. To, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show on, on Block Talk Radio. And we're broadcasting, once again, as I've said before, out of the city of Chicago. And they're saying it's going to get very, very cold in the city of Chicago next week. You know, very cold. It's, it's been nice so far for January. Actually, it's February now. But it's been really, really nice for January so far. The beginning of January in the city of Chicago was cold as hell, but now it has warmed up a little bit, but now they're saying it's going to get pretty, pretty, pretty uh, cold and snow all next week. We'll see what happens with that, because some of these guys and girls who tell the weather, call themselves meteorologists, they get stuff wrong. You know, but uh, it's this is winter. This is uh, January into February. This is... Uh, this is the time of the year that we actually get this kind of, uh, have this kind of weather. You know. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I hope wherever you are, I hope the weather is just great, beautiful, uh, and sunshiny, warm. You know, but uh, you know, all of us can't have a, that. Uh, all of us can't be that lucky. You know. So we deal with it here in Chicago. We deal with it here in Chicago because this is what it is. The weather in Chicago is so fickle changes every time you walk around the corner it changes no matter which corner and then no, no matter how many times you walk it changes so you know so um i don't we just have to deal with it it's winter hey winter 2018 at the broadcast of this show at the taping of this show um it's uh february okay all right once again my guest is sherry pape she will be on the george mother jr show we just have to wait around for that right okay um what we got here, another Republican quits Congress, Trey Gowdy. It's saying here that he will not seek re-election to Congress. Yay. Yay. It seems a lot of these uh, politicians in Congress, representatives and senators, decide not to seek re-election. Why? I mean, some of these people that deciding that they will not run again or they're going to quit their jobs in Congress, they're young. I mean, they're, they're not in their 50s or their 40s. 
I mean, yeah, they're not in their 50s or their 60s or their 70s. These folks are who are quitting Congress are barely in their 40s. Some of them, they're quitting. Why would someone give up a lucrative job like that as a uh, representative or a senator in Congress and just quit? Give up your career and just quit. A lot of the and a lot of Republicans are doing that. Every time you look around, somebody's resigning from Congress, giving up that salary, giving up, you know, uh, giving up everything, just quitting their jobs. Republicans are quitting their jobs in Congress in droves. This is making making it easy for a Democratic uh, win uh, for the midterms. But still in all, just think about it. Think, why are these folks, these people, these representatives, these lawmakers in Congress as of 2018 leaving their jobs? The hell with it, I'm quit, I quit. You know, They're in their 40s, 50s, maybe 60s. But they're quitting their jobs, they're giving up their careers, lifetime careers, great paying careers. Most of them bought and paid for. You know, you know. So why would you give up your job when you are bought and paid for? That is something to think about. You know, and I've been doing a lot of thinking, folks, to why these folks in Congress are giving up their jobs, giving up their seats, uh, giving up the jobs that their that their constituency, their voters put them in office to do, and they're quitting, left and right. Well, I have a few theories. It could be the Russia investigation. Maybe Special Counselor Bob Mueller is getting too close. Maybe it's Trump. Maybe they're tired of being tainted by Trump. Maybe they're afraid of Trump. Maybe they maybe they don't want to work for Trump or work under Trump. Maybe they're maybe they are uh, tied to the uh, Russia investigation. So they want to try to get out of it before they, you know, go to jail. But the rats are jumping the ship. They are. And, and another thing here is you would not quit a job like that. That's I mean, when you're a congressman, when you are a senator, that's one of the best, if not the best job in the world to have. You don't do anything. You just have what do you have? You have one vote. And that vote represents your constituency. That vote represents your state or your city. These guys and girls that go to Congress or get elected to office, they have one vote. And that, and that one vote that they use represent millions of people who put their asses in office. But they're jumping ship. They're getting out. And I would say this. Would you quit the best job that you've had, that you have, if you did not, if you still had kids in college, you have a house note, a mortgage, you have rent or whatever, you have a condo to pay for, would you quit your job knowing that you have bills to pay? No, you wouldn't, especially a good job. You, you Insurance, kids' college, you name it. If you have bills to pay, would you quit your the, the best job? No. 
So my thinking is, if these guys and girls are quitting their jobs, obviously they are financially secure because no one would quit their job if they still have a house note. No one would quit their – I don't care, Congress or whether, if you're a janitor uh, or working in Congress, whatever. Uh, you're not going to quit your job if you're financially secure. If you're not financially secure, excuse me, if you're not. The only way you're going to walk out on your one of the best jobs in the world if you are financially secure. That means that you've got enough money to live on for the rest of your life. So therefore, a lot of these people in Congress who are quitting their jobs, they have to be financially secure in order for, for them to do that, especially if they're not old to get Social Security or any, any other benefit. They're financially secure or they wouldn't do it. I mean, they're not going to quit their jobs if the kids are hungry, if the wife needs a new dress, these guys in Congress. They're financially secured. They're not going to quit their jobs if the, if the house hasn't been paid for. And they have, and these guys have about 10 houses around the United States. They're going to make sure that their houses are paid for before they quit a job. So that leads me into this. Remember the tax cut that Trump signed into law and that the House and Congress passed a month ago? This is this could be one of the reasons to why these guys and girls are quitting Congress. Trump gave them a big tax cut. He made them all a lot richer or rich. Period. And they're financially secure. You know, everything is 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 up above the board. So they're leaving their positions. You think they're going to take a they're going to leave those high paying jobs, those high paying prestigious positions and then take something in the private sector. You know, uh, the reason why a lot of these guys and girls are quitting, they're financially secure. Trump gave them a tax cut. And they've been they have been paid. They're financially secure. Trump made sure of that with this tax cut. So now they can quit. They can leave. They don't have to run for re-election or get any other job. Because right now, every, every time someone quits Congress, they become high-profiled. We know who they are. And I think another reason why a lot of these guys and girls are quitting in Congress, a lot of these senators and representatives, is because their constituency have told them and warned them and made it clear that they would not be reelected because all they're doing is trying to protect Trump, who is guilty of sin. All they're doing is carrying water for Donald Trump. And a lot of the constituencies are pissed off because a lot of these representatives and senators will not show up at their own town hall meetings so they can get their asses handed to them by their constituency, the voters who put their butts in office who gave them the greatest health care in the world, the greatest job in the world. So there's many factors to why, and I'm pretty sure I've just hit on a few. There's many factors to why a lot of these guys and girls in Congress are now resigning and quitting and leaving their posts and refuse to run for re-election when they're virtually young compared to me. They're virtually 
young. You know, it has to, they have to have, excuse me, let me say that again. They must be financially secure. You wouldn't quit your job if you had bills to pay. You wouldn't quit your job if you, uh, you know, uh, you were uh, owing someone or you weren't, uh, your financial situation was not stable. Too many, too many of these uh, 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 lawmakers under, in the Trump, uh, under, I should say under, and in the Trump administration are giving up their post. Just up and just quit, quitting. One of the reasons I think, another reason why I think they're quitting, because they know that this Trump, uh, the Trump administration is a criminal enterprise. They don't want to go to jail. This is why, uh, another reason, this is why uh, Trump and the Republicans are fighting so hard to squash this Russia investigation investigation they're trying so hard to squash it why would you try to squash uh an investigation that you say there was no collusion that you didn't do anything against the law then why are you trying to squash it why why are all these other um uh, republicans carrying water for you trying to protect you because they know that you're guilty as hell and they know that Robert Mueller will indict you. Uh, it's it's just, you know, I don't know, it's just common sense, I must think. I mean, because any other president would probably say, well, I didn't do anything. Uh, there's nothing my administration has to hide. I welcome the investigation. But does Trump say that? No. No, he tries to... Uh, uh, squash it, obstruct. And I've said this for a long time. Trump obstructs justice every time he opens his mouth. You know, there's no collusion. I, I think he said there is no collusion about 30 times, 30, 40 times. And everybody who's anybody with any brains know that there was some collusion or these guys would not be trying to get Bob Mueller fired the special counsel into the Russian investigation of the 2016 elections, which got Trump elected. And Trump keeps saying that everything is fake. There's no faker thing than he is. He's the fakiest of all fake because he was not voted in by the American people. Russia helped him. And I want to say something else. Uh, in these upcoming midterms elections, Watch out for a lot of these ads. These are a lot of these negative ads that's going to be out there uh, against Democrats. That could be Russia interference. Russia. We know that it was a, a part of Russia in, interference in the 2016 election. So election. So don't think that uh, the 2017 midterm elections will 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 be without Russia um, interference. Because somehow they they like Trump, probably the only <laughs> people uh, like Trump. You know, I mean, because Trump is hated. I mean, he's hate. I mean, if you think about 
the uh, State of the Union address, I, I didn't watch it. I admit I didn't watch it. I had other things to do. I plan not to watch it because I don't want to give Trump any kind of support. And there's another report out today where it says that uh, train carrying GOP members of Congress collides with truck. Now, there's <laughs> it's not funny. Believe me. Um, and I think one person was killed. Um, but I was just, you know, on social media and a lot of people were saying that it should have been a lot worse <laughs> for the lawmakers because they're trying to screw America. So maybe this is karma. Who knows? A train carrying um, one person from the garbage truck was pronounced dead. Okay, the train collided into a garbage truck carrying GOP members of Congress. Okay, I understand that um, Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, he was on it, but he wasn't hurt. Uh, to the dismay of a lot of people. <laughs> but, anyway, you know, I mean, this could be karma, like so many people say. I mean, you do wrong, it's going to come back at you. And where they're doing wrong is with the American public and with the American people. I've always said this for a ton of uh, on a ton of shows that these uh, that the Republicans in Congress they have a war against the American people. Now this tax cut that everybody's enjoying, uh, the corporations, a uh, few workers, um, uh, rich people. All of these people are enjoying this tax cut, you know. Guess who isn't enjoying getting anything from this tax cut? Senior citizens, the elderly, those on fixed income. They're not getting one cent from this tax cut. Nothing whatsoever. Senior citizens. And that's appalling. That's appalling. Workers, they get, they're getting something. They're getting their crumbs, because that's all. It, that's all it is is crumbs. Corporations and the rich, they're getting more than just crumbs from this tax cut. But the elderly, the senior citizens, folks on fixed income, the disabled getting nothing from this tax cut, nothing whatsoever. And it just makes me so sick to see Republican senators and representatives going around America bragging about a tax cut, that the worker is going to get a tax cut. More of this money is going to go to uh, corporations and other, and other uh, uh, establishments the rich. And I've said this before, those tax cuts for the rich and these corporations, they're permanent. The tax cuts for the workers, they're temporary. So as a worker, you get your tax cut, you get, you, you get some of the tax cut, but that's it. That's it. And you go back to making, to getting what you were getting before. While the rich they keep on getting a tax cut. Why do you think Trump is trying to look at uh, agencies and, 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 and 
things around America uh, to cut. He needs to cut, find things to cut to eliminate in order to pay those tax cuts to the rich. That's why a lot of the social programs are up and gone. He's looking for, and that's why he's giving very little money to a lot of uh, uh, needed cities uh, around America because he's trying to get money for his wall. Yeah, he's trying to get money for his wall. So he he needs to cut this and cut that. He promised uh, during his campaign, Trump prom- promised not to um, mess with Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. That's on the table now. And I've always said this, you you can't really, you can't really believe what Trump says. Just focus and watch what he does. That is what counts. That's what what counts. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hate has no home here. Uh, Be nice to one another. It is so easy. Be nice. If you do not tell the truth about yourself, don't lie. Just because the president lies, a lot of these politicians lies, tell blatant lies, doesn't mean that you have to lie. And and that's something we have to tell our children as they're growing up into this world. And they're hearing this and and seeing this. You know, you have to tell tell them that it's not good to lie, you know. Because there are a lot of people out here lying because, well, Trump lies. I can tell a lie, can I? No. You know, lying is, is, is not the way to go. It's, it's not what we are all about in America. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are going to do Anna Navarro. Ferguson to discuss this. And Errol, first to you, I want to talk about the president's reaction to Ken Frazier. Let me talk to Donald Trump and explain to him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up vertically against racism and bigotry. (laughs) Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both are frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what the hell took you so long? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate principles. We cannot capitulate Republican values and American values. No piece of legislation no bone that he may throw on policy, no regulation is worth cheapening the office of the United States this way. It is breaking us apart. It is not news that's breaking us apart. It is the president of the United States who is causing this news. So Republicans need to stand up, need to grow a spine, and need to reject him. They don't, I'm tired of hearing Republicans say they're disappointed and disturbed by something he says. You know what? When he invites you to the White House, don't yeah. go. When he invites you to dinner, don't go. 
Do not stand next to him until he starts behaving in a presidential manner. Go and if he can't, you've got to confront him over and over and over and over again. And, Governor, here's, here's, what, here's what folks are saying. Um, those... On Tuesday, it was announced that Robert Mueller, the special prosecutor, would love to interview Donald Trump about the firings of Michael Flynn, uh, his former national security advisor, and James Comey, the former director of the FBI, and that he would love to get these interviews rolling as soon as next week, if possible. Now, the Trump administration about a week ago uh, responded to Mueller's request for an interview with Donald Trump by just sending written answers over to him, hoping that that would be enough. They were essentially trying to hide Trump from having to go and talk to Mueller directly. Well, that didn't work. There's nowhere left for Donald Trump to hide. And if he wants to continue on as president, at least for now, he's going to have to go talk to Mueller. And considering that uh, reports are saying he wants to talk about the firings of Flynn and Comey, it is very likely that right now this interview would center mostly on obstruction of justice charges against Donald Trump. Here's what we know and what we still need to know about all of this. First and foremost, reports are saying that it is about the Comey and Flynn firings, and so that would lean towards obstruction of justice. A few other reports have said that it could also deal with financial dealings with Donald Trump himself, which would point the investigation in a similar, though slightly different direction. We do not necessarily know at this time what exactly he will be questioned about, but we do know in the last few days, uh, it came out that Michael Flynn, when he interviewed with Mueller, did not let Donald Trump know that he was going to do this. Uh, Flynn has now hired a lawyer who is notorious for making plea deals and working with prosecutors uh, to hand over evidence. So that's a plus on Mueller's side and probably a pretty scary thing for Donald Trump's side. And we also know that Donald Trump has allegedly had pressured the uh, 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 director of the FBI to fire uh, Andrew McCabe and uh, 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 Ray. I forget which way that goes. Everything's getting a little confusing at this point, but either way, that could also potentially be obstruction of justice. So, Mueller has a lot to work with at this point. Donald Trump has nowhere left to hide. His written answers recently uh, clearly were not sufficient for Mueller, or they opened up even more doors than Mueller thought that he had available. The bottom line is that Donald Trump is running out of room. He's running out of places to hide, and he's running out of excuses. And according to reports, even his top advisors are warning him that he could be walking right into a perjury trap uh, with the special prosecutor because he has no idea what everybody else has told him. Again, that's how investigations work to see if you can catch somebody in a lie. And they're terrified that Donald Trump is going to walk right into a trap set by Mueller and end up committing some kind of impeachable offense that has nothing to even do with the actual investigation and any crimes that may be uncovered there. Donald Trump may in fact commit a crime while talking to special prosecutor Robert Mueller. And to be honest, I think a lot of us are hoping for that. I think we want to see Donald Trump go in there, lie his ass off to a guy that can prove that he's lying and finally get a little comeuppance in his life. Because as much as this is about protecting the office of the presidency and protecting our system of government here in the United States by removing this corrupt individual, it's also about somebody who has skirted the law for 70 years of his life. 
Somebody who has committed acts so disgusting and so heinous that it would have landed most people in prison. Yet he continues to get away with it. Robert Mueller could be the person to finally bring justice to the Trump family. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm still on talking about the topic here where the train carrying GOP collides with a garbage truck. Yeah, it was a garbage truck. It's reporting to have been once again a garbage truck. Investigators uh, and a lot of people are insinuating that the Republicans are probably going to blame Obama and Hillary for this. And it's not funny. Uh, They are already saying that this probably wasn't a conspiracy to get Republicans. Because most of us joke about about this, but would you believe it has started not specifically to Obama or Hillary, but a conspiracy theory that the truck was on the tracks for a sinister reason. Okay, so uh, some of the Republicans are trying to say that this was a ploy or a plan or some sort of conspiracy to uh, – I don't know if they can prove that. Uh, if they, they may try to prove that it was some sort of conspiracy or that it, it, the Democrats had something to do with it, you know, instead of a just un, instead of it just being a plain old accident, something out of it. And uh, I'm pretty sure they will. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, a missed. If I said that they will actually start to blame Hillary and Obama for this, you know, because they're Democrats, right? So, you know, say it's some sort of conspiracy. Uh, the Democrats planted that garbage truck there so the train could run into it because they know that on board the plane was on, on board the train. I'm sorry, was the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. So this is not going to go away. Uh, well, they're celebrating Trump's State of the Union boondoggle. And I'll say this again. I didn't watch the State of the Union. Uh, I, I plan on not watching it. I was going to be like millions of other Americans not watching it. And there was some um, reporting that came in a few hours after the State of the Union. And it was saying that... Um, the ratings for Donald Trump's first State of the Union address was down dramatically from that of Obama's. 
you, we all know how Trump is trying to erase Obama from the history books. We all know how Trump is trying to erase Obama from ever being president of the United States. And that's not going to happen. The more he tries to erase and eliminate Obama, uh, the more Obama prevails because Trump is so, he is so inept. You know, so that's not going to happen. Um, so his ratings uh, were down. And we know how uh, important, <laughs> very important ratings are to Donald Trump. I mean, he and Arnold Schwarzenegger um, got into a big, big argument, you know, in the press about ratings um, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the host of The Apprentice, an old show of Donald Trump's, you know. I, and I, I want to say this. I think The Apprentice failed because Donald Trump's name was was in the credits. His name was in the credits, even though Arnold Schwarzenegger was the show host at that time. But even Arnold said that the reason why the show failed was because people saw that Donald Trump was the executive producer and they stopped watching it. And I totally believe that. I don't think Arnold Schwarzenegger had anything to do with it. The, the, the show, uh, the, the, the ratings of the show. It was so many people just felt that Trump was still a part of the show and they didn't want to watch the show because they didn't, they don't, they don't care much for Trump. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Yeah, we're celebrating. Yeah, the State of the Union, I'm hearing, was a boondoggle and needed to be away <laughs> and needed to be away from photographers, photographers when they cheered, patted, patted each other on the back and said, I can't believe voters bought that load of crap that came out of Donald Trump's mouth. And a lot of people are saying his state of his state of the union uh, speech. Some people are praising it. The majority of the people who are praising Donald Trump's speech, more than likely, are, are the Republicans in Congress who are trying to cover up for him, who are breaking the law with him. And I, I would think some of the people who uh, are uh, uh, saying this. Some some other people who are saying that this was a great speech are probably the people who voted for him. And I've said this before. Uh, a lot of Donald Trump supporters, a lot of his support has eroded. A lot of people who voted for him wish they had not have done that. A lot of people that he promised to make their lives better if they voted for him, uh, they're disappointed because they've lost their jobs. And Donald Trump is not even thinking about them. That State of the Union was a that State of the Union address was was a bunch of lies, as I've all as most of us thought any in the first place. For lies on top of lies, you know, because um, this is what Donald Trump is. This is America, folks. We have to take America back. We are down in the standings in the world. Uh, allies, our friends and neighbors leaving us in the world, in America. Uh, they don't like Trump and, and <laughs> the leaders <laughs> the leaders of other countries, they can't stand Trump. They, they think he's a racist, a pig. Um, they think he doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know how to govern. Some of us in America think that too. Um, we just have to do a better job of vetting people and putting people in office. 
This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. Breaking news on the Russia investigation, first on CNN. The president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, told congressional investigators that he had no communication with WikiLeaks. He also said he did not recall any other member of the campaign who had. But Kushner did receive and forward an email from Donald Trump Jr. about contact Trump Jr. had with WikiLeaks, according to a new report this week and a letter from the Senate Judiciary Committee. We do not know the content of what was in that email. Kushner's lawyer just released a letter saying in part this. As to the WikiLeaks document to which you refer, this has been mischaracterized in the press. Mr. Kushner had no contacts with that organization and was, along with others, forwarded an email from Donald Trump Jr. that has been widely reported. All I wanted was a much-deserved promotion. And he told me to get up on the desk and spread them. All the men in my office wrote down on a piece of paper the sexual favors that I could do for them. All I had asked for was an office with a window. I asked for his advice about how I could get a bill out of committee. He asked me if I brought my knee pads. Those are just a few of the horrific stories that I heard from women over the last year as I've been investigating workplace sexual harassment. And what I've found out is that it's an epidemic across the world. It's a horrifying reality for millions of women when all they want to do every day is go to work. Sexual harassment doesn't discriminate. You can wear a skirt, hospital scrubs, army fatigues. You can be young or old, married or single, black or white. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, or an independent. I heard from so many women, police officers, members of our military, financial assistants, actors, engineers, lawyers, bankers, accountants, teachers, journalists. Sexual harassment, it turns out, is not about sex. It's about power and about what somebody does to you to try and take away your power. And I'm here today to encourage you to know that you can take that power back. On July 6, 2016, I jumped off a cliff all by myself. It was the scariest moment of my life, an excruciating choice to make. I fell into an abyss all alone, not knowing what would be below. But then something miraculous started to happen. Thousands of women started reaching out to me to share their own stories of pain and agony and shame. They told me that I became their voice. They were voiceless. And suddenly I realized that even in the 21st century, every woman still has a story. Like Joyce, a flight attendant supervisor whose boss in meetings every day would tell her about the porn that he'd watched the night before while drawing penises on his notepad. She went to complain. She was called crazy and fired like Joanne, Wall Street banker, 
Her male colleagues would call her that vile c-word every day. She complained, labeled a troublemaker, never to do another Wall Street deal again. Like Elizabeth, an army officer, her male subordinates would wave one-dollar bills in her face and say, "Dance for me." And when she went to complain to a major, he said, "What? Only one dollar? You're worth at least five or ten." After reading, replying to all, and crying over all of these emails, I realized I had so much work to do. Here are the startling facts: one in three women that we know of. Have been sexually harassed in the workplace. Seventy-one percent of those incidences never get reported. Why? Because when women come forward, they're still called liars and troublemakers, and demeaned, and trashed, and demoted, and blacklisted, and fired. Reporting sexual harassment can be, in many cases, career-ending. Of all the women that reached out to me. Almost none are still today working in their chosen profession, and that is outrageous. I too was silent in the beginning. It happened to me at the end of my year as Miss America, when I was meeting with a very high-ranking TV executive in New York City. I thought he was helping me throughout the day, making a lot of phone calls. We went to dinner, and in the back seat of a car, he suddenly lunged on top of me and stuck his tongue down my throat. I didn't realize that to get into the business, silly me. He also intended to get into my pants. And just a week later, when I was in Los Angeles, meeting with a high-ranking publicist, it happened again. Again in a car, and he took my neck in his hand, and he shoved my head so hard into his crotch I couldn't breathe. These are the events that suck the life out of all of your self-confidence. These are the events that, until recently, I didn't even call assault. And this is why we have so much work to do. After my years, Miss America, I continued to meet a lot of well-known people, including Donald Trump. When this picture was taken in 1988, nobody could have ever predicted where we'd be today. <laughs> Me fighting to end sexual harassment in the workplace. He. President of the United States, in spite of it. And shortly thereafter, I got my first gig in television news in Richmond, Virginia. Check out that confident smile with the bright pink jacket. Not so much the hair. <laughs> I was working so hard to prove that blondes have a lot of brains. But ironically, one of the first stories I covered was the Anita Hill hearings in Washington, D.C. And shortly thereafter. I too was sexually harassed in the workplace. I was covering a story in rural Virginia, and when we got back into the car, my cameraman started saying to me, wondering how much I had enjoyed when he touched my breasts when he put the microphone on me, and it went downhill from there. 
I was bracing myself against the passenger door. This was before cell phones. I was petrified. I actually envisioned myself rolling outside of that door as the car was going 50 miles per hour, like I'd seen in the movies, and wondering how much it would hurt. When the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, one of the most well-known movie moguls in all of Hollywood, the allegations were horrific. But so many women came forward, and it made me realize what I had done meant something. He had such a lame excuse. He said he was a product of the 60s and 70s, and that that was the culture then. Yeah, that was the culture then, and unfortunately, it still is. Why? Because of all the myths that are still associated with sexual harassment. Women should just take another job and find another career. Yeah, right. Tell that to the single mom working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, who's also being sexually harassed. Women, they bring it on themselves by the clothes that we wear and the makeup that we put on. Yeah, I guess those hoodies that Uber engineers wear in Silicon Valley are just so provocative. Women make it up. Yeah, because it's so fun and rewarding to be demeaned and taken down. I would know. Women bring these claims because they want to be famous and rich. Our own president said that. I bet Taylor Swift, one of the most well-known and richest singers in the world. Didn't need more money or fame when she came forward with her groping case for one dollar, and I'm so glad she did. Breaking news: the untold story about women and sexual harassment in the workplace. Women just want a safe, welcoming, and harass-free environment. That's it. So how do we go about getting our power back? I have three solutions. Number one, we need to turn bystanders and enablers into allies. 98% of United States corporations right now have sexual harassment training policies. 70% have prevention programs. But still, overwhelmingly, bystanders and witnesses don't come forward. In 2016, the Harvard Business Review. Called it the bystander effect, and yet, remember 9/11. Millions of times we've heard, if you see something, say something. Imagine how impactful that would be if we carried that through to bystanders in the workplace regarding sexual harassment. To recognize and interrupt these incidences, to confront the perpetrators to their face. To help and protect the victims. This is my shout out to men. We need you in this fight, and to women too, enablers, to allies. Number two, change the laws. How many of you out there know whether or not you have a forced arbitration clause in your employment contract? Not a lot of hands, and if you don't know, you should. And here's why. Time magazine calls it right there on the screen. The teeny tiny little print 
in contracts that keeps sexual harassment claims unheard. Here's what it is: forced arbitration takes away your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process. It's secret. You don't get the same witnesses or depositions. In many cases, the company picks the arbitrator for you. There are no appeals, and only 20% of the time does the employee win. But again, it's secret, so nobody ever knows what happened to you. This is why I've been working so diligently on Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. to change the laws. And here's what I tell the senators: Sexual harassment is apolitical. Before somebody harasses you, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat first. They just do it, and this is why we should all care. Number three, be fierce. It starts when we stand tall, and we build that self-confidence, and we stand up and we speak up, and we tell the world what happened to us. I know it's scary, but let's do it for our kids. Let's stop this for the next generations. I know that I did it for my children. They were paramount in my decision making about whether or not I would come forward. My beautiful children, my 12-year-old son Christian, my 14-year-old daughter Kaya, and boy, did I underestimate them. The first day of school last year happened to be the day my resolution was announced, and I was so anxious about what they would face. And my daughter came home from school, and she said, "Mommy, so many people asked me what happened to you over the summer." And then she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, "And mommy, I was so proud to say that you were my mom." And two weeks later, when she finally found the courage to stand up to two kids who'd been making her life miserable. She came home to me and she said, "Mommy, I found the courage to do it because I saw you do it." The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I was just looking at something here. The George the computer, Wilder Jr. Jr. Show is now yeah, on yeah. the air. George, it that's is. enough. All right. <coughs> okay, excuse me. I was just looking at the computer here, the web web page. Kellyanne Conway rants wildly in attack on fact checkers, as if she's not a liar, right? All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Got a little cold here for some reason. I'm I'm coughing. Maybe I need to get a drink of water. I'll be right back. We're gonna do this, and then I'm going to let's see where where can we do this at? Robert Wright. Okay. All right. We're gonna do this. Let's see. And we'll be right back. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hey, George. It's you're Sherry on, go. Hey, Sherry Pope. How are you? I'm fine. How is, hi, Sherry Pope. Thank you for doing the show. Hi. Thank you for wanting to come on. Yes, thank you for having me go, again. Go, I was great no. a couple years ago for having me. Yeah, I, I remember. I recall. And uh, you were great then. So uh, I... Uh, I I was I was uh, anticipating you uh, c- calling in and uh, doing the show, and uh, I want to thank you uh, once again. I want to thank you for doing this show. All right, tell everybody give give us uh, in case people forgot what you were about last time. Uh, give us a little bio and then tell us about your work. Okay, um, yeah, I'm a national children's book author of the first book we came out yeah. a couple years ago called uh, Cassie's Marvelous Music Lessons, and it's about yeah, a dog that thinks they. Yeah, it's about a dog thinks they can do piano lessons better than their human counterpoint. And the book is also geared toward not-so-perfect-a-dog and adoption. So the sequel that came out in the last month is called Cassie Pup Takes the Cake, where the dog has gone on, adopted to a new family, and it's a baker that has a bakery. And um, the dog has a new look, a new haircut geared towards the original dog that's inspired the, the books and everything. Um, and this one is more of a uh, about a dog and cat uh, international cupcake bake off. So a lot of it's there's a little bit of the adoption issue again. Um, there's about friendship. There's puns. There's comedy. There's you know um, growing pains, things like that, and getting used to other people and in situations and such. Um, yeah. My uh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to say to be a, uh, uh, to write books for uh, children, you have to have a little bit of that uh, child inside of you in order to do that. Do you uh, think of yourself as, as you, or you think of yourself as uh, knowing what a child wants when you begin to write something for children? A little bit of both. There's a little bit of the child in there that, that you know yeah. never grew up and and just knowing uh, I run a music school and I just kind of get the yeah. feel of what kids like today as opposed to what we would have read when we were growing up you know but yeah part of yeah. me never yeah. and never grew up I still appreciate the kid things you know so yeah, yeah. Um, I, my, I don't know uh, some music I, oh go ahead 
I was going to say some years ago, I tried to write a kid's book. I, I tried because I, you know, I was looking at my, my child and I, I wanted something for him to read. So I tried to, I tried to do it, but I gave up on it. I, I think I still have the manuscript somewhere around here, but I, I gave up on it well, because I didn't think it was, it was good enough. So. Well, and you you do such a great job on the books you have. I think everybody's cut out for a certain genre. I couldn't, I like yeah. the stuff that you write, but I don't think I could write it. You know, it's just, everybody's cut yeah. out for something. I, I, you know, so yeah, great. Um, but I, uh, I was thinking of doing this about 30 years ago and, uh, something mm-hmm. sidetracked and then, um, finishing college and then going through some, um, children, children's literature kind of colleges and getting trained in that kind of stuff that way too helped kind of bring it forward. And I started this about 10 years ago. Um, and I'm working on this. There's actually going to be five books total for this Cassie series. So I'm, um, the second one, obviously not last month and the third one, I'm starting to, I've only got about a fourth of it done. So uh, I want to get it out sooner than every three or four years. Like I had with the second one, I want them to get out there and, and kids can go from one to the next to the next and so forth. So I'm really enjoying writing and everything and, and doing that. And, yeah, and yeah. I did a lot of time. I did a lot of the um, school visits, the library visits in uh, my hometown. Of, uh, well, it, it's my been my hometown for uh, 30 some years. I'm actually from that, down by the Peoria area, but uh, Rockford, Illinois, I've done a lot of um, uh, talk radio and um TV, you know, a morning show kind of thing, and uh, getting the message out there, and it's a really neat yeah, experience. Yeah. yeah, you're very busy <laughs> because you do share your <laughs> photographs on <laughs> you. You do share photographs online, and I do see them, and I just, you know, <clears throat> I think they're great. I think they look great. Uh, you do share uh, online what you do and how you do it and where you go and your travels and all that thing. You talk about your books a lot. Uh, you even have your uh, a group, Sherry Popate group, uh, Facebook group? Yes, I do now. Yes, it's been really yeah. neat to put that together. Everybody supporting <laughs> each other. I mean, they support me, but I'm also, there's authors, other authors in there that we support each other that way too. Yeah. So bring out what their, their, whatever their latest thing is of what they're publishing yeah. too. So all a nice group of guys and girls. So Yeah. Yeah, that that's my thing. I, I try to uh, support writers, no matter what they write, what genre they write. If you write, you're a writer. Nonfiction, fiction, children books. We should all support one another because basically we're all in. The, we're all a family, I think. You know. I think so too. That's that's a good way to put it, right? And you know. And uh, yeah, I try to get the ones that are you know I've been at it a little longer, and then the ones that are coming out, and try to support yeah. them the way those uh, the other older yeah. authors, you know started with me and supported me in the beginning too. So yeah. it's been a nice experience. Um, yeah, how, so are people, uh, how are people reacting to your work and to your books? How are people reacting? Um, well, it's uh, the, the, the children is kind of a word of mouth kind of thing. It's been working out really good like yeah. that, but it's been mm-hmm. a combination of former students uh, that have grown up their late 20s, early 30s, all of a sudden that they're having children, they're, you know, they're reacting to it. That's amazing. My, they find out their music teacher now is a, a national children's book author, and they're excited to buy for their yeah. kids. And <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's been a neat experience, you know, um, that generation where 
we used to see oh that older person was the you know the the the, the kind of the grandmotherly type of thing and 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 maybe a music yeah. teacher and now I'm that person and I've got students grown up and having kids and it just kind of blows my mind mm. but um yeah. you know, they they're they're buying the books and just and even some of the uh i mean the adult students uh, they're buying for the older uh, buying for their grandchildren um and yeah. uh, just aunts uncles you know, nannies that I've taught that they buy for the kids that they are a, a nanny for, and and they really enjoy it, and they they want to go back to the first book and 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 include that one if they just started with the second book, and looking forward to three, four, and five. You know, there'll be five total in the series. Yeah. So. Wow, that's great. That's uh, congratulations. I I do think that you deserve it all. Um, how are you handling fame? <laughs> oh, I, I just think you should always. Well, thank you. I, I I think it's great that you know I'm it's I'm being acknowledged as an author and everything. But yeah. I just yeah. I just think keep it humble and and uh, you know just it, it's a blessing and uh, just keep it humble and look forward and keep on keeping on and keep and, on and never on. let it go. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have an excerpt that you can read to us? Yeah. I sure can. Let me find a little bit here okay. for you. And yeah, um, sure. All right. Let's see. All right. So, Kathy is bouncing on all fours, slap, slap, slap. Her stubby tail is wagging. Her milk chocolate eyes are twinkling. She is sure her new owner will understand why she is happy. She is going to be baking. And she's thinking to herself, with my new super-duper haircut, perky ears with blueberry bow, I'm sure to be a lean queen bakery machine. Oh, yeah, as she giggles to herself. This is for you, Cassie, announces Baker Bendy. It's your own baker's hat with apron. Cassie just excitedly puts them on. They are green with little cherry muffins stitched with them. I am proud of these, glows Cassie. She does a diggity dog dance while barking doo doo a doodly doo a woo. And <laughs> yeah, that's just an example of. There's a lot of those. Yeah, so it's it's for ages three to eight, but and then there's got a lot of the adults buying it too for the kids at heart. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of puns on. I would think a lot of humor is in there too, included. There's a lot of humor, and um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of takeoff on uh, puns and things, and uh, just a lot of puns, and and, and little kids will get yeah, it, and yeah. the adults get it, yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah. But it's the, right. both books. Yeah, both books have already um, uh, been Amazon five star. And um, the Great. first book won two National Literary Awards, Cassie's Marvelous Music mm-hmm. Lessons, and the other this current book. This current book is up for a couple uh, national uh, book awards too. That'll be a little bit down the road here this year, but um, they've been doing very well. And uh, I'm in, I enjoy writing them a lot too. All right, Sherry Poe Pape on the George Wilder Jr. Show. What would you tell others who want to uh, write children's books? How would you encourage them to uh, want to write a child children's book? 
children's book? Well, one of the things is you can also look back at your childhood, start with that first to see if you have adventures or experiences from that that you could possibly turn into a children's book um, of your own experiences. Um, go, I would recommend education. Uh, you can major in writing for children. Um, it can be, okay. you know, just a few classes to a degree. Um, as far up as you want to go, I would imagine that would work well. Um, and just don't be discouraged. You have to be persistent at this. Mm-hmm. It's a daily, daily thing that just there's highs and lows. And I would recommend just never giving up. Gary, do you illustrate your books? No, the first. The first book I had was through a publishing company, and they had an illustrator. Mm-hmm. This time, though, I was my own publisher, self-published, and I hired a really outstanding um, uh, illustrator, and they had actually been on scholarship through workshops for Highlights for Children uh, magazine, and I brought up the ideas, created all the ideas, but he he was the one that illustrated all. He did an outstanding job. Um, both books are good, but they're both wow. two different kind of ways. The first book, the dog is not like the 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 dog. My dog is based off a white miniature Schnauzer with short, cut kind of cut hair. Um, the first one, the, the illustrator kind of merged in with the white Schnauzer, a little bit of a, uh, I guess you'd call it a Maltese. Where this book, I had to say more so, and it it is exactly the looks of how the the real. White, my white my miniature schnauzer uh, dog looks like. So, um, yeah, so I just think I think it's a great thing to be able to have control over your illustrations as opposed to just accept whatever they want to, you know, hand to you. Okay, once again, tell my audience and also tell myself because your book sounds so interesting. Uh, tell us where we can pick them up. Do you have a website or something that we could go to and, you know? Sure. Uh, well, both books are on my website. It's www.shgripoe-pape, like paper without the R, pape.com. Um, you can get them at, um, the first book is through uh, Mayhaven Publishing. Um, also, it's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And But you can go to my website, and it can take you to direct links like to Amazon and such. The second book is through Amazon dot com, Amazon UK, Barnes and Noble, and uh, Books a Million. Wow, you all over the place. <laughs> We're all over the place. We'll eventually get it all together. Eventually, when we get all these books out. So, yeah. <laughs> once, I, once again, I want to congratulate congratulate you on your success. This sounds like well, a winner you, to George. me. And, thank you. Um, uh, I have a lot of uh, little nephews and nieces, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to be going by your website and, you know, getting a book, downloading it. it do you have the uh, Kindle version? There is Kindle. There is Kindle for the second book and also for the mm-hmm. the first book, too. Um, yes, there's Kindle, and uh, the first book is hardcover. The second book here is softcover. Yeah. And yes, yeah, spread the word because they're going to love it. It's they're just great books. Uh, not because I wrote them, but just because it just it's very unique. There's nothing out there kind of like these books. So, well, I'm 
I'm gonna say because you wrote them. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be straight up. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no problem, no problem. <laughs> uh, Sherry Pope, <laughs> Sherry Pope Pape on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thank you for doing the show. Thank you for being so wonderful, and thank you for all oh. of your hard work. Oh, you too, hon, and thank you for having me, and have a great night. You too. Bye bye. All right, Sherry Popape on the George Wilder Jr. Show talking about her her children's books, and it's wonderful. Check them out, folks. Check them out. We'll be right back. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be American. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard. Fighting non-violently. Perhaps you've noticed we no longer have old people in this country. They're all gone now, replaced by senior citizens. Somehow we wound up with millions of these unfortunate creatures known as golden agers or mature adults. These are cold, lifeless, antiseptic terms, typically American, all ways of sidestepping the fear of aging. And it's not difficult to understand the fear of aging. It's natural and it's universal. No one wants to get old. No one wants to die. But we do. We die. And we don't like that. So we shade the truth. I started doing it when I reached my 40s. I'd look in the mirror at that time and think, well, I guess I'm getting older. That sounded a little better than old. Sounded like it might even last a bit longer. But people forget that older is comparative, and they use it as an absolute. She's an older woman. Oh, really? Older than what? Than she used to be? Well, yeah. So? People think getting old is bad because they think being old is bad. But you know something? Being old is just fine. In fact, it can be terrific. And anyway, it's one of those things you don't get to choose. It's not optional. Yeah. But that insufferable group among us known as baby boomers, ages 42 through 59, as of 2005, <coughs> are beginning to get old, and they're having trouble dealing with that. Remember, these baby boomers are the ones who gave us this soft, politically correct language in the first place. So rather than admit they're getting old, the baby boomers have come up with a new term to describe themselves as they approach the grave. They don't care for middle-aged. So instead, get this, folks. Instead, they claim to be pre-elderly. Don't you love that? Pre-elderly. It's a real word. 
You don't hear it a lot, but it's out there. The boomers claim that if you're between 50 and 65, you're pre-elderly. But I'd be willing to bet that in 2011, when they begin turning 65, they will not be calling themselves elderly. I have a hunch they'll come up with some new way of avoiding reality. And I have a suggestion for them. They should call themselves the pre-dead. It's a perfect term because for them, it's accurate and it's highly descriptive. By the way, those ever-clever boomers have also come up with a word to describe the jobs they feel are most suitable for retired people who wish to keep working. They call these jobs elder-friendly. Isn't that sad? God, that's just really, really sad. And so, to sum it up, we have these senior citizens. And whether I like that phrase or not, unfortunately, I got used to it and I no longer react too violently when I hear it. But there is still one description for old people that I'll never accept. That's when I hear someone describe an old guy as being, for instance, 80 years young. Even though I know it's tongue-in-cheek, it makes my skin crawl. It's overly cute and precious, and it's an evasion. It's junk language. On CBS's 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl, God help her, actually referred to some old man as being a 90-something. Please, Leslie, I need a small personal break here. One last pathetic example in this category. On the radio, I heard Matt Drudge actually refer to people of age. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He said the West Nile virus is a particular threat to people of age. Poor Matt. Apparently, he's more fucked up than he seems. Now, going to an adjacent <laughs> subject, one unfortunate fact of life for many of these 80 or 90-somethings is that they're forced to live in places where they'd rather not be. Old people's homes. So what name should we use for these places where we hide our old people? When I was a little boy, there was a building in my neighborhood called the Home for the Aged. It had a copper sign on the gate home for the aged. It always looked deserted. I never saw anyone go in. Naturally, I never saw anyone come out either. Later, I noticed people started calling those places nursing homes and rest homes. Apparently, it was decided that some of these old people needed nurses, while others just needed a little rest. What you hear them called now is retirement homes or long-term care facilities. There's another one of those truly bloodless terms long-term care facilities. But actually, it makes sense to give it a name like that, because if you do, you make it a lot easier for the person you're putting in there to acquiesce and cooperate with you. I remember old people used to tell their families, whatever you do, don't put me in a home. Please, don't put me in a home. But it's hard to imagine one of them saying, whatever you do, don't put me in a long-term care facility. So calling it that is really a trick. Come on, Grandpa, it's not a home. It's a long-term care facility. By the way, while we're on this subject of the language of getting old, I want to tell you something that happened to me in New York on a recent evening. I was standing in line at the Carnegie Deli to pay my check, and there was a guy ahead of me who looked like he was in his 60s. He gave the cashier a $10 bill, but apparently it wasn't enough. When the cashier mentioned it to him in a nice way, 
He said, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I had a senior moment. And I thought how sad that was. To blame a simple mistake on the fact that you're in your 60s, even if you're just sort of joking. As if anyone would think a 20-year-old couldn't make the same mistake. I only mention this because it's an example of how people can brainwash themselves by adopting popular language. I wanted to pull him aside and say, listen, I just heard you refer to yourself as a senior. And I wanted to ask, were you by any chance a junior last year? Because if you weren't a junior last year, then you're not a senior this year. I wanted to say it, but I figured, why would he listen to me? After all, I'm still a freshman. All right. Uh, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Controversial FBI agent Cole wrote initial draft of explosive Comey letter reopening Clinton's email probe. Can you believe that? There's going to reopen, reopen, or think about reopening emails. Give me a break. The Republicans, they're doing everything they can to distract away from the Russia investigation. Trump is fighting, right now, Trump is fighting his own FBI agency, the Department of Justice. He's fighting them. He, uh, the Republicans are fighting the uh, Justice Department, the FBI. And these people are Republicans. There's Republicans fighting Republicans. There is no doubt about it. Like I said at the beginning of the show, some and some parts, Trump and the Republicans are guilty as hell because if they had nothing to hide, they would not be trying to throw off uh, this investigation. They're trying to throw up it at every turn. Trump says he's going to talk to uh, uh, Bob Mueller about the, the, the 2016 election. Now it seems as though he's changed his mind because his lawyers are probably telling him if that's not a good thing to do because they're afraid if Trump talks first, uh, Trump talks face to face to Bob Mueller, the guy who's prosecuting him face to face, Trump will start lying his ass off and he will become indicted. These people are something else. You know, they are some. Now there's some memo that's about to be released condemning the FBI. It's a way for them to try to fire Bob Mueller. These people are so guilty, it's a damn shame. Why isn't somebody overseeing or fact checking, not fact checking, but. Um, Checking these people. Why, why isn't these people are allowed to break the Constitution, to, to obliterate the Constitution and, and get away with it? Trump has gotten away with so much and he walks away unscathed uh, with all these crimes that he's committed, proven. Corrupt, 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 corrupt. I just don't understand it. He's getting away with so much. And this is crazy. They're, they're, uh, they are uh, belittling, criticizing the FBI. Every employee in the FBI, in the Justice Department, I know they hate Trump's guts. They have to hate his guts because he's making them look bad. He's saying that they're, they're the ones who are corrupt, not him. 
it's just awful, uh, the kind of government that we have under Trump, and it's getting worse by the minute. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.